This is Radio Influence. This is Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. A look inside the biggest and most controversial news stories you need to know now. One of the country's most relied upon law enforcement analysts, Vincent Hill. Hey, good evening and welcome to Beyond the Badge. I'm your host, Vincent Hill, coming to you, of course, from Atlanta, Georgia. As you know, I do each and every Tuesday, 8 p.m. Eastern, exclusively right here on RadioInfluence.com and available for downloads on iTunes. I got a very interesting show this week. I actually did a poll about this on Twitter, and there's a case that I'm sure you've seen in the news. It's about three uh, black teens three females that stole a car down in St. Petersburg, Florida. The police get into a vehicle pursuit, as police would do with a stolen car. Uh, The females end up driving the car into a pond. They don't make it out. Of course, they die. So now the family, the community, activists, Black Lives Matter movement are saying that it was the police's actions that led to these teens' deaths. But was it really the police actions that led to this de- these teens death here we go again white officers black individuals and it's all about the police's fault it's all about that these white officers were wrong but no one wants to take onus and what led to the chase what led to the car being in the pond and what led to these teens deaths and i want to get into that case I took a poll on Twitter whether people thought the officers were involved, responsible, or were they not. Without a doubt, hands down, 100%, those that voted in the poll said the officers were not responsible for these teens' death. And you're absolutely 100% correct. And I'm going to dig into why these officers were not and are not responsible for these teens' deaths. Now, I know there's someone out there listening right now that says, hey, they were just kids. They were 15 and 16, respectively. They didn't deserve to die. Yeah, it's tragic that they died. But these aren't your average, well, depending on where you live, these could be your average 15 and 16-year-olds. Let's listen to the sheriff. All three of these girls have criminal histories uh, for Grand Theft Auto. And just going to run through those briefly, you can see uh, on the photographs that's laid out here as to what those criminal histories are. Uh, But Butler has been arrested uh, in 2015 for retail theft, for being a runaway, for auto theft, for burglary, for auto theft again, and for trespass. Miller had been arrested in March of 2015 for Grand Theft Auto. And Battle was arrested in November of 2014 for burglary and trespass. February of 15 for Grand Theft Auto, March of 15 for Grand Theft Auto, May of 15 for failure to appear, June of 15 for failure to appear, July of 15 for violation of probation, home detention, November of 15 for Grand Theft Auto, December of 15 for burglary, possession of marijuana, and failure to appear, and again in January of this year for Grand Theft Auto. At the time that she died, she had an outstanding warrant for violation of probation on the burglary charge. Now, I kind of lost track of all those charges, but if my math is correct, and feel free to listen to this again and go back and count, 
if my math is correct, between the three of these teens, they've been arrested a total of seven times within the last year for Grand Theft Auto. And this isn't a video game I'm talking about, where you steal the car and you go and shoot people and then you get a life back and you can start all over again. This is someone coming up and taking your car, whether it's by force, without force, whatever. Three teens, 15 and 16 respectively, have been charged seven times within the last year for Grand Theft Auto. Now let's look at this case and how they got into possession of this car. And I'll talk about it after we listen to the sheriff. But the vehicle had been stolen by the girls uh, last night at about 8.30 p.m. from the Walmart store at 18th Street and 18th Avenue South in St. Petersburg. The victim, who was the owner of the car, uh, reported that he had been asked by a friend of his, who knew the girls, to give them a ride to Child's Park in St. Petersburg. He didn't know the girls, as he claims, but he picked them up in the area of 22nd Avenue South and 9th Street. He then stopped at this Walmart store and says he was going in to buy a television and uh, left the girls in the car with the car running. And he came back, and his car was gone, and the girls were gone. So he reported that car stolen last night, as I said, about 8.30 uh, to the St. Petersburg Police Department. We don't know what the girls did or where they were uh, between about 8.30 last night when they stole the car and when our sergeant saw them in Clearwater on Sunset Point Road at about 3.30 this morning. Okay, first of all, I'm calling BS on this guy's story that a friend of his asked him to give these girls who he didn't know a ride over to this park, whatever it is. He picks them up from a high crime area. He's supposedly going to drop them off at a high crime area, but he doesn't know who they are. So he stops at Walmart while these unknown girls are in his car to buy a TV, but he leaves the keys in the car. So here's what the police officer in me says what really happened. He saw these three young girls, and keep in mind, seven charges of Grand Theft Auto between the three of them. They're not very imposing people. I did not hear the sheriff say they were armed and dangerous. So here's how this really went down. He saw these three. They saw him. They propositioned him for sexual favors, i.e. they tricked him into a... a what he thought was going to be a prostitution quick fix. He decides to go to Walmart to get condoms because he doesn't know them. So what does the idiot do? He leaves the keys in the car and they take off with the car from 8.30 until about 3.30 in the morning. So there is a huge, huge gap of what these girls did, which was very brazen to just drive around for four or five hours in this guy's car you know he's going to report it stolen. So, let's move on. He reports it stolen. One of the police officers, I think was a sergeant, sees a vehicle, doesn't realize it's stolen at the time, but he attempts to do a traffic stop because the person's driving without headlights, which is a traffic infraction. So he tries to do a traffic stop. They flee. He backs off. Another officer picks up the same car, driving without headlights, and is able to get close enough to run the plate, and sees that it's stolen. So what does the officer do? 
he waits for other units to get there, and then he initiates a pursuit, as he should. It's a stolen car. Now here's where it gets interesting to me, and a lot of people don't see it this way, because when you're chasing a stolen car, unless you've done it, you would know this, when you're chasing a stolen car, you don't know who the driver is. Unless you can see through that window and see their face through the rearview mirror, you don't know if they're black, white, male, female, whatever. So you can clearly hear the officer keying up that says, he is refusing to stop. He is turning this way. He is turning that way. Because in the officer's mind, he's assuming that this is a male he's chasing. He didn't say the black male is turning this way. The black male is refusing to stop. Because you can't see who is driving the vehicle. What you can see is the stolen car that's in front of you that is refusing to stop. So they get to the cemetery. Well, before we get into that, let me play a little bit of this audio. Another uh, Pinellas County Sheriff's Office sergeant uh, was south on US-19 uh, in an unmarked car uh, in the area of Almerton Road. Um, he observed the car a short time later. It was traveling uh, within the speed limit and normally driving. Because it met the description of the vehicle that had fled from the sergeant a short time previously, uh, the second sergeant got behind the vehicle and he was able to obtain the tag number. Uh, he ran the tag and found that the vehicle had been reported stolen. Uh-oh. Did you hear that? Did you hear what he just said? The vehicle description. He did not say the people inside description. He did not say the black female description. He said the vehicle description matched the vehicle that had fled from the previous officer. When he ran the tag, it came back stolen. So remember that theory that I have about crime? Color does not bring police. Crime brings police. Let's think about this. The vehicle matched the description, which gave the officer probable cause to think that that was the vehicle that fled from the other officer. So then, when he runs the tag, and it comes back stolen, that is his legal contact to attempt to stop the vehicle. Imagine that theory. Imagine that theory that this officer who happened to be white saw a vehicle that matched the description of one that previously fled and based on his probable cause he got behind the vehicle, ran the tag, and it came back stolen. Now keep in mind this officer didn't even know who was in the vehicle because in the dash cam Audio, you can hear the officer say he is refusing to stop. He. And just because this guy that reported the car stolen at 8 o'clock and said three females took it, doesn't mean those same three females are the ones in the car. I can't tell you how many times I've chased a stolen car, arrested someone, and it's not the same person who was told to me was a suspect. It happens. People trade cars off for dope. They trade them off for parts. It happens. So this officer didn't know who was in the vehicle. So the car is running from police. The girls turn into the cemetery. It's very dark. And go watch the, the dash cam video. It's very dark. It's a windy road. It's four in the morning. So the vehicle ends up in a pond. You can see the 
brake lights just mysteriously drop because they ended up in the pond. So here's where the controversy is. At first, the family was saying that the officers didn't do anything but stand by as they drowned. So what does the sheriff's department do? What I would have done. I released other dash cam video from other vehicles which showed officers taking off their gun belt, their shirts, to try to save the girls. You can see they called for K-9 to see if maybe they had gotten out and they were hiding. The helicopter was up. You can hear it in the audio of the dash cam. So the officers did all they could. But here's my question to the family of the girls, the protesters, the activists. What do you think these police officers were supposed to do? There's a pond, a muddy pond. Last I checked, police officers aren't trained to be Olympic swimmers. I don't know if it's a requirement in Florida to be able to swim if you're on the police department. It surely wasn't in Nashville. So, other than risking their life to save the lives of the people they were just chasing, what were these officers supposed to do? So then we would have had, what, not only the three girls, but the three officers dead as well because they went in to attempt to rescue them, which you could see on the other dash cam video. They were attempting that, but guess what? They couldn't because it was too deep, it was too murky, and by the time anybody could have gotten to that car, it was fully submerged, and you can hear it and in the audio. It's fully submerged. The headlights are now gone. It's fully submerged. What were these officers going to do? Why are these officers, these white officers in Florida, responsible for these three black teens' deaths? And one of the mothers said something on the news. She's like, you're trying to paint my daughter as a criminal. She wasn't a criminal. She was just a normal 15-year-old. What? My son is 15. He just turned 15 this past Friday. But he's never been arrested for Grand Theft Auto. He didn't have warrants for burglary. He didn't go to a Walmart and steal a car. What, nor what, what sense of normal is that where you're going to get on the news and place blame on these officers who were doing their job and not take onus in the fact that you should have had control of your daughter because had you had control of your daughter, she wouldn't have been out at four in the morning. So my question to you is, where were you at at four in the morning that you did not realize your daughter was out in a stolen car? being chased by police. So who's really at fault for these teens' deaths? It's real simple. Whoever of the three that was driving the vehicle, because the officers, the sheriff's department, the investigators can't determine who was driving the vehicle. You know why? Because it hit the water. And what happens when things hit water? Everything shakes up. So two of the teens were found in the back. One was in the front. Not Able to tell who was driving because they weren't seat belted in. So, we can protest. We can demand answers. We can hire attorneys like the family has to try to sue these officers. And I'm sure they're going to want to take their badge. And they're going to want to make sure the sheriff is removed from office. 
I actually just saw a Facebook page that's entitled uh, Save Our Girls Protest for Dominique and the other two victims. And this is what the details of it say. The Pinellas County pigs terrorized these three African-American teenagers in a high-speed chase ending by causing their car to crash into a pond. No. Terrorized. Here's where the terror was. When the very first officer approached, saw the vehicle, driving without headlights in the middle of the night, to me that is terror, not by the police, but by those driving the vehicle. Because if you're driving a car without headlights, guess what? Chances are oncoming traffic won't see you. Someone walking in the street won't see you. And you're putting the public's life at danger. To me, that is terror. I don't know what definition of terror this creator of this Facebook page is talking about. But to me, that's terror. Let's talk about more terror. When you know the police are behind you, instead of just saying, okay, they got us. Let's just pull over. Take our eighth Grand Theft Auto charge. What do you do? You flee at a high rate of speed. Granted, it's four in the morning, but that doesn't mean that the milkman couldn't have been on the way to work, or the mailman, or the paper delivery boy, or somebody. Just because it's four in the morning doesn't mean that someone may be on the road. So you drive at a high rate of speed. In the dash cam, the police car was going 86 miles an hour, and the car was still quite a distance ahead, so they were going in excess of 100 miles an hour on these roads, but the police, the Pinellas County pigs, terrorized these three African-American teenagers? I think you are sadly mistaken, whoever created this Facebook page, you are sadly mistaken about what the real terror was that night. They tricked this guy into going into Walmart, Tara, with the intent of taking his car, Tara. Then they drive down the street with no headlights, Tara, and stupidity, because hmm, if I'm a police officer and I see a car driving without headlights, I got enough probable cause to stop that car. A lot of times, people intoxicated drive without headlights. So, maybe as an officer, I think, maybe this guy is intoxicated, driving the car, and I need to stop them. So the car flees. Terra. They get away. Okay. A smart criminal would have said, dang, we got away, let's go ahead and ditch this car. But they don't do that. So a few minutes later, another police officer gets behind them and says, oh, that matches the description, and it's stolen. Let's go ahead and initiate a stop. And they flee. Tara. So where are the pigs, as you call it, responsible for this? What you need to do, creator of this Facebook page, what the family needs to do, what the activists in the community need to do, is take onus. Because Someone that has been arrested that many times at the age of 15 and 16 respectively, two 16-year-olds and a 15-year-old, you've been arrested that many times for the exact same thing. 
but we're not supposed as police officers to try to affect the laws? What you should be protesting is why a 16-year-old or 15-year-old could be arrested for the same thing that many times and still be allowed to go out and do whatever it is they want to do. That's what you should be protesting. What you should be protesting is the fact that three mothers, not one, not two, but three mothers that are now saying that these pigs are responsible for the deaths of their daughters, three mothers had no control of their 15 and 16 year olds that they were out at four in the morning. So again, I question, where in the heck were you at four in the morning? Please let me wake up at four in the morning and not find my son in his room. It's going to be a problem. The first thing I'm going to do is call the police and report him missing. And for his sake, he better be in the hospital because if he's not, that's where he's going to end up. Because that's what you do as a parent. You control your children. I assure you, my parents knew where I was at 15. And at 43, if I go to visit my parents, I respect their house and I don't go out in the middle of the night even though I can because I'm an adult. But I respect my parents, and it was my parents' responsibility to keep me in check. They had onus. These people in St. Petersburg that are calling these officers pigs, that are going to demand their jobs and demand justice, and I'm just waiting for Al Sharpton to show up. I know it's coming. I'm waiting for Benjamin Crump to show up. I know it's coming. When you get there, Mr. Sharpton, I want you to do me a favor. Go ask these mothers, and don't go and play the race card, which I know you're going to do, and race bait, and, oh, this was a travesty. We demand justice. We're going to get the Department of Justice to look at this, and I'll talk to President Obama personally to look at this. What I want you to ask them is where were you at at 4.30 in the morning, where you didn't know where your child was. Or ask them this. And here's the thing that people don't realize. Don't like to believe. Sometimes the parents actually benefit. From the crimes their children do. You know how many people I've arrested for selling dope. And their parents knew they were selling dope. How many people I arrested stealing cars. And their parents knew they were stealing cars. Because it benefited them financially. So when you get there, Mr. Sharpton, before you go and call CNN and MSNBC, BET, and TV One, have a personal private conversation, and you'll probably change your mind about wanting to speak out about it, have a personal and private conversation with these parents to say, why didn't you control these parents? Because whether you like it or not, Mr. Sharpton, Department of Justice, Whoever else is going to get involved in protest in this case, whether you like it or not, the reason these three teens are dead, and as a father of a 15-year-old and the father of a 20-year-old daughter, I would never want to imagine that. But the reason these teens are dead is because of their actions that started at 8 o'clock that night when they decided to take that car out of the Walmart parking lot. Had they not done that, Chances are, they would be alive today. 
chances are they would be alive today. Had they not decided to turn down a cemetery in the wee hours of the morning where they can't see and not know there's a pond there, they would be alive today. So you can't blame the police officers for upholding the law, protecting and serving. Protecting who? Well, anybody that could have been on the street when they were driving with headlights off, which is why the first officer tried to stop. Serving who? The idiot who left these females in his car while he ran into Walmart to get condoms. They were serving him, trying to get his vehicle back. So, you can call them pigs. You can call them whatever you want to do. Whatever you want to call them. You can call them white devils, white racists, coming down on the black community. You can call whatever you want to call it. But the simple fact is, these officers were doing their jobs because, woo, wait for it. Crime brought the police, not those girls' color. Crime brought the police, not those girls' color. Oh, they were driving down the street, no lights. They fled. Oh, the vehicle matched the description. The officer turned around to investigate. The tag came back stolen. They fled. He is refusing to stop. They didn't know who was in the car. They just know they were chasing a stolen car. Hmm. It's that simple. It's that simple. It's not a conspiracy. It's not a cover-up like people are saying. These officers didn't just stand by and watch them die. What do you want the officers to do? They don't have special tools in their car like Batman where they can sling a rope and reel the car in. They're not trained divers to go into the creeks and the ponds to get people out. They have a diving unit, but I assure you, they're on call, so it would have taken them quite a while to get there anyway. So what did you expect these officers to do? Oh, I know what these activists and the people mad about it expected them to do. Turn their heads, because it's okay to be a black teen committing crime in the black neighborhood. As long as a white police officer doesn't try to intervene. So that's what you wanted them to do. I got it now. You wanted these police officers to turn their head because they weren't really hurting anybody. They didn't do nothing. They were good kids. You're painting my daughter to be a criminal. No, your daughter is painting herself to be a criminal. She had a rap sheet almost as tall as me and I'm six foot one. So the police aren't painting your daughter to be a criminal. She's a criminal. She was a criminal. Bottom line, take onus for yourself. Take onus for your children. And your children won't be in that situation. So I got to talk Baltimore really quick. So, of course, last week I talked about Baltimore and the anniversary of Freddie Gray. And it's almost like clockwork that something would pop off in Baltimore right around that time. So Baltimore police last week shot a 13-year-old with a carrying a BB gun and of course it's all over the media it's like not again it's all over all these websites black lives matter not again they shot a 13 year old it was just a toy so let me give you the lowdown of what really happened so 
police gave chase to someone they saw carrying what appeared to be a real-life handgun. When a suspect flees that is armed, there is certain laws in most states where you can actually shoot a fleeing felon. So, police give chase, give commands, drop the gun, drop the gun. He doesn't do it, so guess what happens? He gets shot. That's what police do. When people have a gun, and you're told to drop the gun, and you don't drop said gun, there's a chance, there's a chance, you might get shot by the police. So, everyone's up in an uproar, but I'm looking at this gun, and I urge you to go look at it. Just Google uh, Baltimore police shoot kid with toy gun, and it will pop up. I urge you to look at it. A, just like Tamira Rice all over again, no orange cap on this gun whatsoever. And I'm looking at it, and it looks just like, and I mean just like, a Beretta 92F. And I mean, there's the magazine, there's the magazine release where the magazine falls out. It has a hammer where you can cock the hammer back. It fully slides. I mean, this thing, to me, if I was an officer, and I had, of course, a split second to determine whether my life is going to be taken or a suspect's life, I'm going to pull the trigger. It's not rocket science. It's not some mathematical equation. It's not physics. And let's be honest, it's not race. Because it's a gun. And a gun has no racial barrier. A bullet is not going to look at someone and say, Oh, that's a white person. I'm not going to shoot them. I only shoot black people. Oh, that's a black man. I'm not going to shoot him because the guy holding me is a black man. No, it doesn't work that way. A bullet has no name, has no discrimination. So when you're told to drop a gun and you don't, chances are, I'm just saying, chances are, you're going to get shot by police. So, expect Baltimore to heat up once again about something no one wants to take onus for, but it's always the police officer's fault. That's going to come pretty soon. I expect probably the Department of Justice, Al Sharpton, your usual suspects, to be down in Baltimore once again. Here we are a year after Freddie Gray. The trials still haven't gotten off the ground for that case. Now these officers may be facing the same thing. Who knows? Marilyn Mosby may want to charge these guys with attempted murder because it was just a toy gun. And if she does that, I think I may fly to Baltimore and look her dead in the eye and say she is a complete idiot if she does that. Just like she was a complete idiot for charging the officers in the Freddie Gray case. And you see how well that went for the first trial. Hung jury mistrial so Baltimore once again in the news but here's an interesting concept and I've said it a hundred times it wasn't this kid's color that brought those officers there it was this kid walking with what the officers clearly saw clearly saw as a handgun that brought them there nothing else nothing more nothing less and with that it's time for roll call 
And it's only fitting since I've been talking about Pinellas County and these three kids that were good kids um, that we talk about an officer shot and killed in Pinellas County back in 2014, December 21st, 2014. Officer Charles Condict was responding to a noise complaint. He was actually Tarpon Springs Police Department. He was responding to a noise complaint at 199 Grand Boulevard. And the person that was waiting actually shot and killed this officer. So, you know, we can talk good kids. We can talk all of this. But the danger for policing is real. It's real as real can be. And officers put themselves on the line every day. And I appreciate them. I used to be one of them that did it. You should appreciate them. If you don't, you got a problem. If you don't, you probably aren't really too pro-America because police are the front line to a lot of stuff that you have no idea exists out there. But I got to go. My time's up. I want to thank you for listening. As always, I love you. I appreciate you. And I will see you next week on Beyond the Badge. To continue the conversation, get updates on the show, and to find out when you can see him on television, follow Vincent on Twitter at Vincent Hill Sr. That's Vincent Hill SR. This has been Beyond the Badge with Vincent Hill on Radio Influence. This is an MMA Insiders with Jason Floyd and Sam Kaplan Quick Fix on Radio Influence. Another article by Kevin Ioli, and it was it was headlined Kimbo Slice, the headline Bellator show in July, despite positive steroid tests. And, and Sam, there were so many things in, in this article that I really want to point out. It was a tremendous piece written by Kevin Ioli. Right in the third paragraph, it, it says, quote, by its actions on Sunday in booking Kimbo Slice against James Thompson for a July 16th show in London, Bellator acts as if it isn't concerned about the issue. Now, the issue would be about uh, you know you know the PED fail test that, that Kimbo Slice had in general. Of course, if if people do not remember, Kimbo Slice tested positive for an anabolic steroid and also elevated testosterone to epi testosterone levels at at following Bellator 149. Now, the standard penalty with the Texas Department of License Regulations is a 90 day suspension and a $5,000 fine. Now, a lot of people probably aren't going to go to the Texas statues to kind of read what exactly it is, but this is a statue that is right from the commission's website. Quote, a positive test, which has been confirmed by a laboratory authorized by the executive director or his designee for any of the following substances shall be conclusive evidence of a violation of subsection O and will result in an automatic 90-day medical suspension and may also result in administrative sanctions or monetary penalties or both. Now, that's just something. Now, uh, I, I reached out to Greg Alvarez late last week, and Greg finally did get back to me uh, on Monday morning. And, you know, I, I there is some more questions that I have for Greg Alvarez to kind of see where this whole situation is at and where it's going to go uh, from here. But it was very interesting to me to 
kind of hear it. I get the sense that there may be something more to this. You know, I, I asked him, I said, Hey, you know, Scott, Scott Coker's gone on the record and that saying he has received a 90 suspension. And, and I said, is this correct? And his response was yes. That's the automatic one. Once someone tests positive, um, you know, look, obviously I've said on Twitter, I'll say it here, a three month suspension and a $5,000 fine for testing positive for anabolic steroid and elevated testosterone to epitestosterone levels is a complete joke, Sam. I can't disagree with that on its own. Just you take all the extracurricular stuff outside of it. I think it's a great fight booking. You've got James Thompson, Kimbo Slice 2, one of the most watched fights in the history of American television. You know, you're doing that rematch, a rematch that has a little bit of controversy and history to it. You're coming back. You're doing that in your debut event in a brand new country for you, the United Kingdom, a country in which Bellator really is not a household name. The UFC has some name recognition value there. Bellator does not. So they needed to do something like this in order to be able to sell that event to the public and be able to put a respectable crowd you know, in the arena. You've got a guy like Kimbo and James Thompson anchoring the top of that show could call attention to some of the UK stars that Bellator wants to try to build and hopefully develop that country into a new market, a new place where they can do business. So you need a big, big main event. So from that perspective, I think it's a great fight booking. Now, adding in the fact that this is a guy in Kimbo Slice who right now is under suspension. And it was basically an administrative suspension that he's under. I mean, that's the Correct. automatic. Yes. You automatically go under three months. So I'm wondering if Scott Coker is just being real nonchalant and kind of showing some arrogance here, assuming that, hey, you know, Texas isn't going to do anything. They're not going to do anything to stop this. I know I can get away with this. I'm going to go do it. Or is this a situation where Scott Coker and Bellator did their due diligence and said, hey, before we put these guys and advertise them to a brand new country, a new market for us, and spend millions of dollars of Viacom's money uh, in regards to promoting this fight, you know, not only domestically from a TV product, but also, you know, internationally within the UK market, you know, to sell tickets with billboards, radio advertisements and what whatnot before we dump millions of dollars into this promotion. You know, let's do our due diligence, call Greg Alvarez, call some people that maybe we have that aren't Greg Alvarez on the Texas Commission that you know are in the know. Let's find out, get some kind of assurance, even if it's an off-the-record assurance, about what they're going to do long-term with regard to Kimbo Slice's drug test failure. You know, do they have some kind of assurance, and is that why they're going ahead here with this main event, or is this just arrogance on their part? That's a really big question that I would love to know the answer to, and maybe we'll get it you know, in the coming weeks and months. But right now, I don't think anyone knows the answer to that outside of the Texas Commission and Bellator executives. I mean, look, I, I totally agree with you, Sam. It, it's a fight to make. And, you know, look, and if it's true in the fact of Kimbo's only got a three-month suspension, you know what? Bellator's got to do what's best for their business. I mean, and if he's not under suspension, they're going to book him for a fight. So I, I think, that, you know, you have to more look at the Texas Commission to say, I mean, you got to change your rules. You know, you, you what what is the penalty if the standard suspension is 90 days and a $5,000 fine especially someone who is making a good chunk of money the MMA insiders with Jason Floyd and Sam Kaplan can be found on iTunes Stitcher and radioinfluence.com